You've probably heard me talk about my dog, Jackson. He's my baby boy. And as he's gotten older, he's gotten really finicky about eating. He used to get so excited about food, he'd literally spin. Well, not anymore. In fact, I often have to spoon feed him to get him to eat. Well, no more. Not since we started feeding him fresh food made with whole ingredients, backed by veterinary science. It's Nom Nom. Now, I actually tried making food for him myself. I'd cook up big batches of chicken or beef with vegetables and rice or potatoes. But without knowing what I was doing, he wasn't getting the vitamins and minerals he needed and certainly not in the correct balance. That's all changed now with Nom Nom. Go to trynom.com, T-R-Y-N-O-M.com slash Nicole. They'll ask you some questions about your pup and tailor a specific amount of individually packaged Nom Nom meals and send them to you. By using my special URL, trynom.com slash Nicole, you'll get 50% off of your first order, plus free shipping, and it's a great way to help support this show too. Again, that's trynom.com slash Nicole. plus Nom Nom comes with a money-back guarantee. If your dog's tail isn't wagging within 30 days, Nom Nom will refund your first order. No fillers, no nonsense, just Nom Nom. The following program contains graphic material, including offensive language. Viewer discretion is advised. Wait a minute. Do you still think politics is boring? Well, not when you can say fun words like cacus. Cacus. Yes, it's fun words like cacus and more. With the intellectual, intersexual, and intersectional, Nicole Sandler on NicoleSandler.com. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis learned an important lesson this week. Don't mess with the mouse. The Walt Disney Corporation has come out on top in the ongoing power struggle between the company and DeSantis to control the board that controls the independent area that houses Disney's parks in the state of Florida. It's so amusing to see you here, Ron, taking a big public dump. Looks like your board has no power now, Ron. You thought that you won, but you're trumped. There's no one around as repugnant as you. You're the worst people's favorite guy. Your poll numbers fell even faster than Jeb. And it's not very hard to see why. Please clap. No one panders like Ron. Jerry manders like Ron. Stuffs himself into blue jeans and boots quite like Ron. Well, he looks like a cheerleading wussy. In baseball, he can't catch or pitch. Hey, guys, look, I'm top gov like the movies. But everyone knows he's a fat, whiny bitch. No one knows picks like Ron. Shoots Ozempic like Ron. Eats chocolate pudding with fingers like Ron. An embarrassing troglodyte meatball baby. Half-witted asshat, that's Ron. Incompetence that's unsurpassed. A sentient pockmark on Florida's shit. The last thing we need to do is to monkey this up. No one's vapid like Ron. Soft prick flaccid like Ron. Gets his candy ass pounded by Disney like Ron. Hello, wifey, please help me. Our dreams are dying. My, what a schmuck. That Ron. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay, 
I don't know who Beyond Miami is. I, I saw that on Twitter. I tried to find out who produced that masterpiece, uh, but I was unsuccessful. If you know, please tell me so I can give credit where credit is due. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, here in Florida, Ron not doing so well. Oh, because Miami. It's hashtag because Miami. Okay, I say because Florida. So the latest is Ron DeSantis now knows that Disney got one over on him. And so he's threatening to blow up the whole deal. You know, the thing that he put in motion first, because Disney was given this uh, self-governance area because they bring a lot of money, a lot of tourists, a lot of people into Florida who spend money. Ron DeSantis, what he's doing now is going to ensure that it costs you, if you want to come to Florida to go to Disney World, it'll cost more for the um, for the parks, first of all, for admission. It'll cost more uh, for the tolls on the roads. It'll cost more for the hotels, for food, because everything will be more expensive because Ron DeSantis had his feelings hurt. Yeah. All right. So um, that's that. Welcome to a Friday. I've never been so glad to see a Friday. This has been the week from hell. It really has just been a weird roller coaster of a week, and I'm just glad it's over. And today is historically, and for some people, a special Friday. They call it Good Friday. I say any Friday is good. Um, but I, I, look, I've been open and honest with you about this. My religious um, education came from when I was a kid, watching the Ten Commandments on TV around this time of year. That's my education into the Old Testament, you know, good non-practicing Jew that I am. My education into the, 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 the world of Jesus, <laughs> I'm almost embarrassed to say, but I, I don't care, came from Jesus Christ Superstar. So I, I know religion through, I guess, popular culture in a sense. Um, I don't talk about it often because it's not part of my life. The thing is, if it is part of your life, good for you. That's great. I, more power to you. Enjoy what you want to enjoy. The thing I do like about Judaism is they don't go around proselytizing. They don't. It's not in the Jews uh, game book to go and try to convert people to Judaism. That's just not what the Jewish people do. Maybe they should, and there might be more of us. <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, my my parents were not religious. I grew up in a house with three girls, and, you know, I'm older. And so um, in the Jewish tradition, girls or boys are bar mitzvahed at 13. Girls are often bat mitzvahed, but they weren't as often back then. And we just weren't. We You know, so I don't have religion in my life. But a lot of people do. And the only reason I'm bringing this up is because there are those people in power, in positions of power in this country right now, who are trying to rewrite history on every front from saying that um, that this is a nation founded on religion um, and that Christianity should be our national religion. Uh no, that's where I draw a line. So we're not necessarily going to talk about religion today, but we do have a man who, who, who walks the talk, who has lived a life as a minister in the United Church of Christ, but he's also 
he he lives up to the teachings of Jesus. Here's my problem with the way today's most openly religious people act. And and I don't believe they're really religious. They say they are because they wear their evangelicalism on their sleeves because they 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 talk about it all the time. They they put it out there proudly and yet they embody hatred. They are the most bigoted, most judgmental and just horrible people out there. And I'm talking about the evangelical community who got into bed with Donald Trump. You know, they'll talk bad about, um, you know, sinners and people who, who go against the teachings of Christ when that's exactly what they do. I've said it often. Look, I'm an atheist Jew, but I'm a better Christian than some of these people who don't understand the teachings of Jesus Christ. I think he was a brilliant man. If the teachings that we learned ascribed to him came from him, uh, people should listen. But it's when you say one thing and do another that I have a problem. You want to um, kick people out of the, 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 the um, Tennessee House of Representatives because they dared to stand with protesters who are um, uh, 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 angry that their schools are being shot up. You know, the, the hypocrisy is stunning. And, and it, it's, it's a lot more, I'm not going to get into the whole thing now, but you know how I feel. I just had to state that up front as we enter in to this most holy of times of the year. The Jews uh, had Passover. I think it's, you know, the first two nights are the big ones. I think Passover goes on for a few days. Again, bad Jew. I, I, I'm the wrong person to ask. But we had Passover this week. It was Wednesday night, Thursday night. And I guess the really observant keep doing seders for a few more days. I don't know. Um, then today is Good Friday. Again, we talked about this the other day. I don't understand it because Good Friday is the day they crucified Christ, right? And so I would think it would be Bad Friday, but okay, I, nobody asked me. But then, and then on Sunday, it's Easter Sunday, and he came back from the dead. I See, it, it's all confusing. But again, I don't, I don't tell anybody they don't have a right to worship who and what they please. But they, they seem to have a problem with me saying, I don't want, um, you know, I don't have religion in my life. Um, people like Marjorie Taylor Greene and her ilk think there should be a national religion and think that that's the premise that the country was founded on. One day we'll have a historian on, on and we'll go into that. I don't know why I went off on that tangent, probably because it's the day. And it's Good Friday. I'm still reeling from what happened yesterday in Tennessee, how they expelled two of the three members of the Tennessee House of Representatives who dared to stand with the protesters who were upset that a gun person, a person with a gun, went into an elementary school, shot and killed six people, three of them nine-year-old children. And the... Republicans in the Tennessee House of Representatives yesterday were more interested in kicking these people out of their positions to which they were rightfully elected because they they broke the rules because they um, they were disruptive. Get, let me get this straight. These are the same people. 
and one of them, actually one one of the, the, the Republicans in power there, actually said that what they did the day before or the last week in the Tennessee legislature was worse than what the insurrectionists did in Washington, D.C. on January 6th. I so wish I had a microphone there and could ask him, please explain. Because these people didn't have weapons. They weren't physically threatening anybody. They weren't, they weren't threatening to hang Mike Pence. Or they weren't walking through the halls of the Tennessee State House looking for the governor like they were looking for the speaker at the time. You know, the hypocrisy on the right is stunning. And it's on every front. It's, you know what, I, I wasn't going to take a call. I will real quick, and I've got a guest, so I'm not going to be long. Hi, who's this? Nicole Sanders. How are you? Sean from Toronto. How are you? Sean from where? Toronto, Canada. Oh, Toronto, Canada. Hey, Sean. Okay, what's on your mind today? I've been a, I've been a fan of you since Randall Rose Day, 2000, May 2009. Okay. Thank you for um, talking about this today. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm beyond atheist, whatever is worse than atheist. I atheist. I don't like religion because it's a it's a major issue. Mm-hmm. My I got the reason why I called. Can you describe or explain to me what's Passover? There's a reason why I'm asking. Like I'm trying to understand the reason behind Passover. Passover, Passover. Okay, well I can tell you. Passover was celebrated. There was, I should bring Barry in for this because he probably knows it better than I do. Passover, back in the, in, you know, in the Old Testament times, um, okay. there was a plague that was coming over the people to, to you know what? I'm not mm-hmm. going to tell you. When Barry gets on, I'm going to ask him to tell you the story. They, they, put, they put lamb's blood on the doors, which signaled to God or whoever, that these are the houses you Uh leave the people alone because the evil spirits were going to come take the firstborn child of all the Christians who enslaved the Jews. But I'm sure I I have something wrong. So I'm Barry Lynn. (laughs) What? It's a rhetorical question. I knew the answer. Oh, but you wanted me to you wanted to put me on the spot. (laughs) Yeah, because now you tell me I'm an atheist. And what kind of god? What kind of god is that? Like it's ridiculous. Like yeah. Well, you know what? Can I tell you something? Let, and, and I'm going to run. I'm going to. I'm going to let you go. And thank you for calling. I really appreciate it. But here's the hypocrisy again, right? The, these idiots are banning books. I just saw something that a school in Florida took the diary of Anne Frank off the shelves. Why? Because in one scene she talks about you know looking at the human body, and in one scene, walking by naked statues. That's too much for parents to think that their precious children's eyes are going to see this, these words. Um, there is a group of parents who is now saying the Bible needs to be taken out of all schools because it is violent. It's bloody. There's murder. There's, uh, there's a, more violence in the Bible than there is in a lot of the Books they're removing from the shelves in a, in a just Orwellian fashion. So anyway, he knew what Passover was, and he made me show my ignorance. <laughs> anyway, I know what it is, kind of, sort of, but you know what? I don't care. It's a story. To me, it's a story, and it's wonderful literature. I actually wasn't going to start with this today. What I was going to start with is persecution. Here in Florida, there's a woman named Rebecca Jones. Rebecca Jones, many people know, 
Um, she was the one who um, ran the COVID dashboard for the state of Florida to let to report on the number of cases in the state. Well, she the governor, you know, more on death sentence, didn't like the fact that she was challenging his lies on how many cases of COVID we had in Florida. And he has been on a smear campaign for this woman since. They have so besmirched her name. They have they have muddied the water so that people think that she's off her rocker. Well, I've spoken with Rebecca Jones a few times, and you know what? I believe her. And I know it's not past this governor to target this woman as he has been doing. And so now... There was a story the other day. Her 13-year-old son was arrested. The, the charge is that he um, was making threats about shooting up a school, and that's serious shit, if it's true. Now, you know, here's more Republican hypocrisy. We are told that you are innocent until proven guilty. And they're saying that about the, the, the January 6th insurrectionists, from everyone from them to Trump and everyone who's a Republican in between. But if you're a Democrat and you're accused of something, you should hang. Or, you know, you, you haven't even been charged with anything and they should lock you up. Lock her up. Lock her up. But, you know, not to them. So these people on Twitter who are harassing Rebecca and then me because I dare to defend her, um, already they want to execute this 13-year-old boy because they're convinced that he sent these threatening messages. Um, The Miami Herald, and they quote the Miami Herald, but they won't read the whole story. It's sort of like they are with the Second Amendment. You know, they'll only talk about... um, uh, the rights of the people to bear arms shall not be infringed or however the thing goes. But they forget the first part, a well-regulated militia. You know, they, it's like that doesn't exist. And that's what they're doing here. So the Miami Herald, if I can um, find this uh, passage from the story that's in the paper today, says, and I'm going to put it up on the screen, an unredacted version of the warrant obtained by the Miami Herald, shows the threatening messages were sent by a username that was different than the one Jones' son used to send the memes. There were memes. No one's contesting that he sent memes. As far as I know, sending a meme about lazy cops who won't go into a school to stop a shooting is not an actionable offense. Anyway, the document does not say how authorities determined both usernames were linked to the same account. The redacted version circulated by authorities does not reveal that there were two different usernames involved. Jones provided a screenshot of her son's account, which showed he changed to his current username in January before the threats were made. She said he has never used the handle associated with the threatening messages. In America, you are innocent, presumed innocent until proven guilty. But these people are ready to lynch Rebecca Jones and her 13-year-old son. Why? Because the governor has a vendetta out on her. I just had to say it. This is Florida. We see what this governor is doing every day. He is a fascist. He wants to be the dictator of governor of Florida, not the governor. And I'm going to call him out whenever and wherever I can. And that includes, yeah, swatting trolls on Twitter.
all day long if I have to. Okay, that's done. It's good Friday, everybody. Um, We're going to get to Reverend Barry Lynn in just a moment and talk about his new book. He's got he's got not one, not two, but three books three count them three and we'll get to them in just a second um but i do need to tell you uh before we go out for the long weekend it's not really a long weekend i'm working today i'm working monday um but my blend jet blender this is my new favorite toy i call it a toy it's not really a toy it's helping me get healthier because i'm getting nice intakes of uh, fruits in in smoothies um I can't stop with the smoothies because they're so good and um, i'm also making nice coffee frothy coffee drinks uh, and not paying 10 bucks at Starbucks for it. I can make my own. Blend Jet just came out with the Blend Jet 2. Uh, it's, it's got everything the first one had, but it's better. It fits in your cup holder. You can take it anywhere. It's portable. It's fairly quiet. This is, this is the blender going. So if you use it on the other side of the house, maybe you won't w- wake everyone up. Um, and, uh, and there's a special going on now. If you go to Blend Jet, one word, blendjet.com, Use the promo code FEEDME12, FEEDME12, all one word. You'll get 12% off your order, free two-day shipping, and, and, and you will thank me because it's a, great, it's a great gift. Mother's Day is coming up, too. Blendjet.com, username, um, uh, I'm sorry, promo code uh, FEEDME12, get 12% off, free two-day shipping, and thank you very much. Okay, now let's move on. I'm very, very happy to welcome back to the show um, an old friend and acquaintance, uh, Barry Lynn. Uh, you know, before I ever met Barry, I used to listen to him on the radio um, because he, d- he did a radio show as well. And um, I knew Barry. When I first met Barry, he was the executive director of Americans United. Um, uh, 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 Ameri- <laughs> I'm drawing a blank now. Americans United Our- what, Barry? Americans for United separation for of separation of church and of state. Church and state. I, it's au au dot org. The it's uh, uh, you know I'm I'm uh, it's, it's Friday. Okay. It's been a long week. Americans United for separation of church and state. And the first few times we ever talked, it was on that subject because I've been on a a role along with my wanting everyone to be able to practice or not practice as they see fit. Um, to 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 stop churches from getting tax deductions. And especially now, because it's only gotten worse since we first met some dozen or so years ago, because they are actively preaching politics from the pulpit these days, aren't they? They are preaching positions Mm. that they can do. What they can't do is support or oppose candidates for public office. And the first complaint we filed I was, uh, I'd just been hired. I was still living in another state, hadn't moved to Washington yet. And my wife looked at USA Today and said, is this legal? And here it was, Christian beware. It was a back page of the life section of USA Today. And the basic argument was, here are some sins that Bill Clinton is responsible for. And then there are little proof texts, as we call them, proof texts. And then at the bottom, it says two things. If you vote for a sinner, you are a sinner yourself. Another Bible quote to prove it. And then at the bottom, 
send your tax deductible <laughs> contributions. It turned out that the church at Pierce Creek, which had sponsored the ad and paid the $40,000, was a place where Randall Terry, the creator of Operation Rescue, uh, hung out until uh, he had some dispute with the church and went on to be a, uh, a country music singer. <laughs> I was interviewing him once, and I said, Randall, you know, I kind of wish you had stuck with the music thing. And uh, I said, but did you ever wonder, you know, you're a Bible literalist, or you claim to be. He had recently gotten divorced. That's a no-no in the Bible. Right. But I said, you're constantly talking about euthanasia. You're talking about abortion. Well, how do you square that with the fact that you – directly, obviously, have violated a tenant of the faith. And his response was interesting. He said, well, Barry, we're all just human. (laughs) (laughs) Right. You know, you can't you can't make this stuff up. But Randall Terry, unlike some uh, some of the people in the uh, anti-choice movement who have had real, I'd call it a come to Jesus, if you believe in Jesus moment. Um, and one of them was kind enough to to blurb my book along with other people I've encountered over the many, many years. Yes. Well, a lot of uh, interesting people blurbed your book. Um, and let's talk about the book because it's actually not one, but it's three. So congratulations. Thank the, you. The, the main title is Paid to Piss People Off. Um, and 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 I understand, Barry, that that you can't even advertise it. What on on Facebook or tw- because because piss because you use the word piss in the title. Yeah, apparently so. This is uh, my effort to get some paid advertisement on Twitter. I wrote the ad. They rejected it within an hour. This is you know, Mister Elon Musk, Mister Free Speech. You can do anything. You can say anything racist you can advertise all kinds of medical nonsense but you can't use a word i thought we had come a distance from the time in 1972 when george carlin did his famous routine called the seven dirty words and what was one of the seven words piss yeah but and and i don't know why it's on that list although i gotta tell you in eighth grade i got paddled because i i used the word piss in yeah. a in a note that I got caught passing in class. Yeah, yes, you shouldn't do it. Yeah, not in and in Elon Musk's world, you won't be able to do it. The title <clears throat> of the book came to me about six months into starting this process, which only got started. I'll mention it in a minute, and only got finished because of COVID, because I had all this time. I was in the house. There's only so many times you can walk around the woods across the street from our house. Mm -hmm. And I thought, maybe I should do what people have said. Maybe I should write a memoir. I wrote several books. I think we talked about them in previous uh, sessions here. But I never liked any of them (laughs) because they never really put my life in perspective. They didn't talk about my peace activities. They didn't talk about my porn Pornography commission uh-huh. activities, and they only talked about prayer. A high school student came up to me once at a party. He said, uh, I think he was a junior in high school. He said, Mr. Lynn, I want to do what you do when I get out of school. And I said, 
Connor, what is it that you want to do? <laughs> what do you he think said, I do? I, 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 he said, I think you get paid to piss people <laughs> off. And you know something? There's no harm in doing that. And it's possibly even better if you don't get paid to do it because so many people in this country have every right and indeed a responsibility to tick off people and companies and corporations in power. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad to have done it. And I'm glad that paid to piss people off conveniently fits in with the subtitles of peace and porn and prayer. <laughs> so those that's book one, book two, and book two three. And book three. And and I, I'm gonna put them I'm gonna put the, the cover photos up on the screen. So on the first in this first picture and the, the peace cover, there's a little baby wearing a t shirt that says, Heck no, I won't go. Um, who was that in the in the photo? Yeah, that's uh, the, my then three year old daughter. And it's an interesting thing. This was a big anti-war rally. And uh, I brought her with me, and I, I even had her come up on the stage. I was holding her. But I never did it again because I, I thought she's much more important than being a prop. Yeah. And it annoys me no end when children of three and four years old are used as props, as they so often are with, you know, by our pals on the religious right. But that's her. When she knew it was coming, she said, Finally, a cover model. (laughs) Okay, so that's the first one piece, and we'll talk about that in a moment. The cover to the second volume, book two, Porn, is, I I mean, I expected Stormy Daniels or something. Instead, we get Ed Meese. (laughs) Um, but, But it's an interesting photograph. Explain what this photo is. Yeah, this is a photograph of the acceptance by Ed Meese of the report that took him a year to write on the uh, Commission on Pornography. And it became known as the Ed Meese Commission uh, Commission on Pornography, even though he didn't technically start it. But when this came out, I had so irritated these people that they would not let me into the press room. But they did say, you know, you're not... You, we're not letting you in the press room. You might do a press conference, but we'll let you in the overflow room. And when I got to the overflow room and I saw the reporters putting their they hooked in microphones at the time and and they'd look up and they would start <laughs> to do one of two things, either giggle or just shake their heads. And for many years, I referred to this picture. Um, I. Not, not necessarily proud of this as the two boobs photograph <laughs> because as you can see there is one naked breast on right the goddess of them. justice statute right there in the hall of justice i asked ed Meese's, uh spokesperson sometime after that he said did you ever consider draping <laughs> he said yes we did but we figured that would be worse and, you know, when you were talking about the one of the complaints about um, about uh, uh, the the book by uh, about the Holocaust mm-hmm. and, and one of the things in it was um, she says she describes walking past these statues and there's some nudity involved yep. um, after year, a year plus of terrorizing the porn commission and lambasting virtually everything they did i was walking past the library of congress the day after this event occurred with uh, this picture by the way was on the front 
page of almost every newspaper in America. And I saw a bunch <laughs> of tourists walking by a statue in front of the Library of Congress that featured two mermaids, each of which had a bare breast. Oh. And they were laughing. They said, one of them said to their teenage son, that's just like the picture we saw in the paper this morning. And I knew then <laughs> that you could use humor and and do great damage to institutions that shouldn't have existed in the first place. That's the story of that cover. That's that's a great cover. And let me just for a moment digress because I pulled up this article. So according to this uh, TV station in the Tampa Bay area, the, the book Anne Frank's Diary, the graphic adaptation was removed from a high school from school libraries in Indian River County. It was first removed from the Vero Beach High School Library after a parent expressed concerns the parent is a woman named Jennifer Pippin. She chairs the Indian River County chapter of Moms for Liberty, in case you were wondering. Oh, she man. said, quote, we think true history absolutely needs to be taught, the Holocaust, the Anne Frank diary. But then she argues that in one graphic scene in the book, Frank asks a friend to expose themselves to one another. OK. In another scene, Pippin said Frank walks along nude statues that are sexually explicit. It's like. <laughs> You know what? This so this woman can can because she's offended by the 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 beauty of the naked body of the human body that she can get this very important book pulled off the shelves in the entire county. It it is it is so difficult. I mean, I don't want to make people not want to book porn because there's a lot at the ACLU. I became. I mean, I really was, and I worked there for a long time, and I wanted to make clear to people that there's a kind of consistency to the First Amendment, that the First Amendment works best if you are willing to defend all the things you like and, frankly, not depend the – not embrace them necessarily, but to say people have a right to make – have a difference of opinion about it. And in the porn area, it went on to advertising. I do think people have a right to advertise if it's condoms – if it's tobacco, if the government wants to say, you know, you can't smoke anymore, that's fine. I hate smoking. <laughs> and it was very difficult occasionally to uh, testify against restrictions on the advertising of tobacco. Everything about the claims there are the same as with pornography. The children, the children. But, you know, Bruno Badelheim was a famous child psychologist, and he said, in one of his books, there is nothing that you can't correct, no image so terrible that if someone explains what it is to children, that they won't get over it. And the other thing that the Porn Commission learned, but didn't seem to take much seriously, if you take the worst pornography away from the public, then people will look at other things and go, oh, that... That's turns me on child pornography, which I hate and which uh, I, I tried desperately to get the ACLU to create this uh, a cause of action called the invasion of sexual privacy. They they rejected it. They've moved a little bit. But child pornography, the first day that the commission met, they had a guy on who explained that one of the images that he saw 
in every collection of child pornography was the old copper tone ad for the sun lotion with a little girl and a dog is pulling down the bottom of her swimming suit. Right. If that's child pornography, what it really demonstrates is, you know, whatever you can get a hold of becomes what it is. This commission spent its entire year trying to find the, I guess the most offensive image they could ever come up with. And that was to it. To show that everything, that everything that's sexual is bad. They rejected all the interests of, um, in, in the feminist critique of pornography, which continues. I, I don't think it's quite as, as, uh, it's not as major an issue as it was back at the time of the Reagan administration. But they, they had Catherine McKinnon, of course, the author of lots of books and a wonderful lawyer and uh, someone I, I continued to, to talk to uh, just years ago. But, you know, they didn't take that seriously. They only took seriously the things they could understand, the, th- the hatred they had of anything. And by the end of the year, Someone said, well, what is it that they really are frightened about? And he said, it's not that they look at gay pornography and go, oh, that's so dirty. It's that they don't like the people who would dare to enjoy it or literally or watching it. They hate LGBT people. There's no question about it. And they don't want to admit that. But that's at the root of right-wing opposition to sexual material. Wow. It's just, it's astounding. I mean, what the couple down the street does in the privacy of their own bedroom has no effect on you whatsoever. Mind your own fucking business. You know, why are people so into everybody else's shit? I just, mind your own business. Live your own life. Exactly. It's just, it's a, it's a basic premise, but it's one that unfortunately uh, gets lost. Uh, there were a lot of efforts to censor rock and rap music at the oh, time. Yes. Well, Tipper was, Gore, hello. Tip, Tipper Gore, and I'd like to think that uh, Tipper Gore perhaps was a little more concerned about what her husband was doing than uh, that Prince had a song that seemed to be about and was probably about masturbation. Yeah, well, you know, yeah. and the song was Darling Nikki. And, Darling Nikki. And guess what <laughs> I was called as a child? My name is Nicole. Ni- yes, I, I was Nikki. I was always Nikki. And so when well, that song came out... Everybody yeah. was sending it to me. It's like, okay. Sure. So, and I got a laugh out of it. Come on, get over yourselves. It's just, yeah. you know, stop it. Um, but, you know, but I'll tell you something. Then I'm in college. And in college, I, I studied radio. I, I've been in radio sure. all along. I'm one of the few people who like sure. did, did what they studied in school. And I worked at the campus radio station, which by the time I got there, they had killed off the student programming and it was classical. And, yeah. opera and and so the student government fought to get a few hours of student programming during the week and yep. so we got four hours a week but they had to screen the programs for are you ready sex and drug lyrics Whoa. yeah Whoa. i mean you know it, it, uh. it, and this was a public I, I i guess they got they had a premonition that ron DeSantis was coming finally right. then student government <laughs> got out of it and they turned it over to me and they let me go live and they stopped censoring me but still the sure. fact that they were screening for sex and drug lyrics um. you know the priorities are screwed up and and i think 
you know, look, the the people guilty of putting all these sexual hang-ups on people. Let's talk about the Catholic Church. Look what we just found out about Maryland. Uh, that, you know, exactly. when you when you make something natural and sorry, the human body is beautiful bad and evil and it's like oh don't look at that it's obscene well that's what you foster you're going to bring up kids who turn into adults who are really screwed up exactly and you know these these ideas as you probably know the um one of the other things that desantis is doing he doesn't want uh high school i think it's now up to high schools to talk about menstruation yes Eighth right. grade. By the yeah. time a girl no is in eighth grade, she's had her period. Okay. <laughs> right. But, but these, these are the kinds of things that people were doing at the time I was at the ACLU and even at Americans United. People are constantly trying to restrict anything to the point where it, I think if they had their way, if we gave everybody a chance to screen out everything they want, we'd all be living in caves. <laughs> we, we might have a television, but it would only be running static and, uh, the, the books, they would be empty. Judy Bloom's back in the news because she has a, there's a documentary about wonderful Judy Bloom. Judy Bloom and I were at some publishing event in the Caribbean somewhere. And I, I asked her, I said, Judy, what's the stupidest thing that you ever heard being censored? And she said, Mad Libs. I said, <laughs> oh, wait a minute, Mad Libs, that's a, that's a book that it's has a, a bunch of spaces right. in it. It does. A noun, an adjective, a verb. Yeah, you an adjective. And the audience. And she said, uh, no, it wasn't what was in the book. It was what they were afraid children would put into the book. <laughs> Talk about mind control. Yeah, it's it's astounding. Um, it, it, so the third volume of the book is Prayer. And we've talked yeah. a lot about that. But, but sure. Barry Lynn, why, why three books? Why not just one big book? Well, that's interesting. I had a lot of trouble when I started to try to sell this. I mean, I, I had a brief flirtation with self-publishing until I realized that virtually everybody in that business was a crook. <laughs> but then I found a small independent publisher, and they said, it's too long for one book. Uh-huh. I said, would you consider doing three books? And they thought for a couple of weeks and they called me back and they said, you know, we'd like to do this. So there's this wonderful independent progressive uh, press out in Kansas called Blue Cedar Press. And they agreed to do this. Um, I think it was edited four times because maybe I go on a little (laughs) bit. But then every once in a while, I was just on a show with this woman in Scotland the other day. And she said, is there anything you forgot? And I said, yeah, I keep coming up with these events that happened, including one that I thought was very uh, interesting. I was on the Tomorrow Show with Tom Tom Snyder. Snyder. Oh, I miss Tom Snyder. I do. I do, too. And I missed him that day because he was off. Oh, he had someone filling in. (laughs) And uh, his other guest, he had the head of the selective service system and me and then Kirk Douglas. Oh, God. Okay. So we're in the makeup room. Kirk Douglas comes in. Where's the guy who's against the draft? (laughs) I said, forgetting it was Spartacus for a minute. I said, (laughs) that's me. And he said, I talked to the president and the president just wants to get everybody registered. They're not going to be a draft. And and then they brought in the TV cameras because I did think that NBC 
really thought we were going to get into a fist fight. But being a quasi-pacifist as I am, that was not going to happen from my point of view. But it's a story I totally forgot about until the book was oh, at wow. the printers. Wow. So, so Kurt Russell was like, wanted to fight you because you were against the draft. <laughs> well, no, Kurt Russell. Did I say Kurt Russell? Uh, I meant Kurt. Uh, Kurt, you Kurt, said, Kurt Douglas. You Kurt said Douglas. Kurt Douglas. I said okay, Kurt Russell. Well, it's yeah, Friday. It's been a long it, week. That's <laughs> okay. I do this. I'd rather think of, of Kurt day. Russell than Kirk Douglas. I, you know, <laughs> exactly. I, I'm biased in that in that Mud. sense. Um, yeah. So, so you know, so you've got these three books out there. Let me while it's while I'm looking at Credo Vision in the chat room has a question. It says, does Mister Lynn have a coupon code for Blue Cedar Press? I do not, but I can tell you. I will give you how to order it. And then I'll, I just a little backstory to that. But if you go, you know, this bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y, and then a slash and Barry Lynn book. And it takes you there. It's the only place where they, if you want all three, because why wouldn't you? Right. You can get it there. If you, if you and, go and for a package to, price for all three. Yeah, instead and, of but, but if you go, if you go to, um, you know. Amazon uh, or any of those. You know, I, this is something I did not know this. I do not like Amazon. I feel guilty when I buy a toothbrush from Amazon, but, but, and I, I struggled with this. I didn't know that I wanted it to be sold through Amazon because they have, they treat their workers terribly. They're union busters. I don't like either of those ideas. You can't do that. You, if you publish with an independent press, it goes. They they, they sell it to Amazon. Yeah, not um, the middle person does, not the press itself. Right. A, a really good alternative, if or anybody mm. wants an alternative for books, um, bookshop.org. They, they yes. bookshop.org. They they work with publishers. They work with authors. They're much better. For, they for, are. Yeah. They are. So. But they can't. They don't always necessarily. Uh, sell as cheaply do you do you know the average publisher is required to sell to amazon for 36 percent of the list price so when amazon comes out and, and a, a book is like 50 dollars and they discount it to 40 dollars yeah. you know that comes still out of the author- a bundle they are they still are making a bundle right. and the publisher makes something i'm not even sure publishers even get what they sell in uh, the Kindle forms or the, whatever the right. alternative is. I don't know what Barnes and Noble does. I mean, you can buy these things there, but uh, I prefer you go to the publisher because yes, definitely. People. So I will put your link on right. the blog where I post today's show, Terrific. so people can get it. But bit.ly/slash Barry Lynn Book. Um, yeah. And and I will post. I use Bitly all the time. It's it's sure. the best. Um, so okay. So so um, there's the answer to that question. So it, it, do you have a favorite of the three books? You know, I I don't because these are three very important parts of my life, and I never had a chance to systematically look at them. And you know, a lot of frankly, I don't read a lot of memoirs because I'm really tired. I don't want to read the first three chapters being about somebody's great grandmother. (laughs) I mean, so I I said, look, my grandfather raised racing pigeons on the roof of his 
house. That's all I'm going to say about it. Okay. And there's some wonderful stories about my mom and dad who I really, really loved. Uh, but the book starts with five people I met early in my life who had an enormous influence. And uh, there was a little resistance to that. Well, why do you start with that? Because these are five people. And I think we can all look back, even to the point maybe we were in college or just in high school, the people that really made a difference. And one of the five is is my spouse. We've been married for over 50 years. Wow. We, we went to Dickinson College. I was there. I was supposed to man the... Uh, table for the debate society and this woman walks by and uh, we talked a little about debate and i thought this is this is a very pretty woman she walks by again and i had just taken a piece of paper and it said young anarchist league and then it said we do not believe in hierarchy therefore we have no one here but sign below if you are interested. And there was a guy, that, uh, an incoming freshman, as she was, who said, said to her, uh, I don't even know what this group is. And she said, that is the most important group on campus. And you should sign up for this. So he does sign up for it. I went back to my dorm. I said, how did it go? I said, um, it was really good. I think I met the woman I want to marry, which is an oh. idiotic thing to say, <laughs> but it turned out to be true. And all of a sudden, any other affections uh, just left. There's a good story about William F. Buckley, and there are stories about a lot of the right-wing characters that your listeners know and dislike. <laughs> okay. All right. And a well, couple of liberals that d did terrible things. Well, and there were some, and there still are yeah, some. Look, still it, are you know, some. it's not all Dems great, all Republicans bad, <laughs> no. you know, but they, they tend to fall on those sides, but you can't overgeneralize anything. No. So, no. so Barry Lynn, of course, I, I'm drawn to the porn for whatever reason, because sure. it's Friday and the weekend's here. And of course. So, and I had no idea. So what do you cover in the porn book? What, what was your involvement with the porn industry? Well, I followed the, the Pornography Commission. I was working at the ACLU at the time. I knew this was coming. I said to the people at the uh, ACLU, I said, I really want to do this. It's going to be Washington-focused. I was working in Washington. And I said, you know, it'd be great if there was a woman, but nobody was particularly interested, and they all were living in New York. And then Isabel uh, <clears throat> Katz-Pinsler, who was the head of the Women's Rights Project, said, well, look, I'll come, we'll testify together, and then it's kind of up to you. And I guess they figured, okay, he's not a woman, but he is a minister, so maybe that's a good thing. People in this country do not like everything. If you look at porn, if you'd be a rare individual if you looked at porn and said, oh, that's all great. Right. So a woman at National Public Radio said to me, were you ever turned on by any of the stuff you saw during the Pornography Commission? They made just huge slideshows of porn. And I said, yeah, there was some. And some of it made me sick. But some of it, yeah, I was turned on. Another lawyer at the ACLU came into me the morning after the thing aired on Morning Edition and said, uh, why did you say that? I said, because 
I'm not a liar. What are you going to say if I say, oh, no, I, I, I was all terrible. That's not necessary. And I said, if people ask the right question, like she did, I am going to give a 100% honest answer. You'd be dumb and you'd be hypocritical if you didn't tell the truth. Thank you. But then, Thank you yeah. for that, because most people don't do that these days. They, no, they don't. And I mean, it's it's the same. We talked a little bit about rock and roll. There's a whole section about rock censorship. Uh, one of the biggest censorship in, uh, events in regard to rock was a guy whose name I can't remember, but he was in Florida. Thompson, maybe, I think. He's in the book. Jim but, Morrison. You know, is yeah, it Jim it was, Jim Morrison it, exposing himself of the doors? Oh yes, in that Miami. Was, yeah, I was thinking of somebody else uh, who <laughs> oh. presumably never exposed himself, but okay. sure got mad at rap music. Mm. And um, even there, there are people I uh, I like this guy a great deal, Dave Marsh, who used to work for Rolling, write for Rolling Stone, right? and is is. Uh, 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 married to one of Springsteen's managers. That's right. And well, we and were, we, Dave so Marsh we is the man who wrote I've Seen the Future of Rock and Roll. It's Bruce Springsteen. And they exactly. started a, a lifelong... It, it was. So number we one Bruce fan here. So, sorry. <laughs> I used to be, but now I've found other people. Oh. I'll tell you about that, <laughs> perhaps off the air. Okay. Um, here, so we're standing in line together, and I had, you know, I had knew something about uh, him in the, long before that, but he said, I'm writing a book called 100, 100 Ways to Stop Censorship. And then he made a really kind of disparaging comment about Tipper Gore. The, the, the women against rock and rap were the star witnesses. And I said, you know, you, you got to be careful here because if you're against censorship, you can't want to shut up these powerful women who think everything is horrible. And uh, he said, yeah, think about that. And if I think the book's still in print, but there is that story. And I was glad because people, it's so easy. If you hate something like smoking as much as I do, mm-hmm. and somebody comes up with these goofy things that can only advertise tobacco if there are no pick, no humans or cartoons, just black letters on a white package. What, what does that tell you? It doesn't tell you anything. And there were efforts to, control alcohol and condoms and gambling and all kinds of things, many of which I don't participate in, although I've been known to buy a lottery ticket. But, you know, you you can't do that. You cannot, you cannot say to everybody who doesn't like something, oh, we'll find a way to either get rid of it completely or make it so difficult for people to learn of its existence, that it might as well be banned. That is not the American First Amendment way. Okay, so then I I, got to say, look where we are today. We are light years back from where we were then. And it's, it's, it's who has the power, and these people are nuts. I'm sorry, they're just... Fucking nuts. You know, Judy Bloom, I mentioned her. Um, During the time that publishers were getting 
the, the 1970s version of what's going on today, there was a huge effort to get rid of the book Charlotte's Web. I've got two copies here. I've got three grandkids living a few minutes walk from here. Oh, nice. I'm not here at the seashore. I know, it just um, looks that way, right? Artificial intelligence. <laughs> but, and, and the reason that Charlotte's mm. Web was considered unchristian is because there were talking animals in the book. And they would go on. There are no talking animals in the Bible. Oh, Which are is, you sure about that? Really? <laughs> because yeah, well, there's all kinds of other weird <laughs> shit in the Bible. I mean, isn't there? there? there yeah. It's, when we, I was in uh, Pennsylvania public schools before there was the decision that prayer in public schools was unconstitutional. If the state was involved in writing it or promoting it. And, um, but there was a tendency in the schools to read certain passages in the song of Solomon. Okay. And they're pretty, pretty dirty little, and you think about it, but so the last thing I was asked to do on the Fox news channel, where they used to kind of live on that Ellie Smeal and, uh, Robert oh, Reich were the only two other progressives who ever showed up. But uh, they, they called me. They said, we'd like you to come on Saturday morning. Sa Saturday, Fox and Friends was uh, really the, the, the dregs. And the weekday ones were bad enough. They said, we, we like it. I said, what do you want me to talk about? And they said, well, we have a guest who is the creator of Veggie Tales, oh, and Veggie Tales <laughs> is a cartoon series where mm -hmm. vegetables act out Bible stories. That's right. And I said, uh, "When do you want me?" He said, "Well, you'd have to get up at five a.m." And I said, "Well, you'd have to get another person." <laughs> but now we've gone from talking animals are bad to talking, talking vegetables. vegetables. They're Fine. okay. No, no problem. The broccoli speaks. Oh my God! Yeah, it's, hypocrisy. It's, Thy hypocrisy. name is. Uh, you know, these people, these people <laughs> who think that they have the right to tell everyone else what to do, what to believe in and Absolutely. how to act. And it's just it, it's just horrific. It, it, it could drive a person mad. It could drive a person mad. The um, the things in the Bible that they don't like to talk about is supposed to be nice to strangers. <laughs> and uh, you're supposed to share your wealth. All they don't like to talk about that, but they do want to talk about things that aren't even mentioned in the Bible. You know, our mutual friend John Fugel saying talks yep. about this all the time. It's not there. Yeah, there are even passages in the Christian Old Testament uh, that suggest that it is a requirement under some circumstances. I got very uh, I got very sick after a retirement party uh, that I had a couple of years ago. Uh, I, I mean, as in nearly died. And Lewis Black, who I think is just the funniest guy in in the on He's the planet funny, these yeah. days. Yeah. And uh, so I had been putting up little Facebook postings about my travails in the hospital, and so he he saw that and he said, "Come to my show." And do a rant. And uh, I said, you know, Lewis, I mean, I'm really not feeling very well because I had completely lost my voice. He said, I don't care if you have to whisper it. Just do it. And it was very good. I was panicked. I, I hadn't been that scared of a public speech. It 
it went over well. And it does appear at barrywlynn.com. That's yes, my it website. Does. And it, it does. And, uh, but it was big. I think people that do you favors like that, and I certainly considered it one, what, uh, make another huge difference in people's lives. Never give up. Never forget that you can't get anything accomplished if you're doing it yourself. And never forget that there are people behind the issues that mean so much. There's a section in the book about military veterans uh, who were discharged without trial during Vietnam. And they were given undesirable discharges, which were just as bad as mm. being court-martialed. Mm -hmm. You couldn't get a job. You couldn't get any VA benefits. But there's a story in the book about a man named Weldon Merchant, who had been in the Army, went two tours in Vietnam. He contacted me. Those are the people that gave me far more gratification that I was being of use than any, you know, talk shows, uh, any William F. Buckley debates, any of that stuff, because those are the people that matter. And I do think politicians, they sometimes forget oh, they... not who's giving them the money that they always remember, mm -hmm. but whose interests they really need to defend and how many thanks they need to give for the people who stand up and do the right thing and are bringing them the issues that they need to consider. Absolutely. And, and I think the uh, the Republicans in Tennessee made a huge mistake yesterday yeah. on so many huge mistakes. The whole every, the whole thing was a travesty. Um, of course, you know, every and and the people I, I'm I'm waiting for the the chorus of we're not going to take it, um, you know, from, from Tommy. I'm here thinking musically, yeah. but but I'll tell you something. The people listen to this. This was a chant. You ban books, you ban drag. Kids are still in body bags. They also chanted, you are fascists over and over again. And free, 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 free the Tennessee three. Um, people were out yesterday. I believe they're out today. This is, you know, I, I, I hope they keep going down this road because... They sure. will, we, we will finally get um, the people standing up and saying, okay, this is madness enough already. One hopes so. I mean, <laughs> Marsha Blackburn is um, one of the senators from Tennessee. And before she got into the Senate, she used to do something uh, that many activists and members of Congress did. There were a series of stand-up nights at uh, the improv here in Washington. And uh, she gave this thing called uh, How to Speak Southern, <laughs> which was mildly amusing the first time, but then insufferable the second and third time. Mm -hmm. But one day she's standing there. I was standing behind her. I'd just done something about but some political stuff. And, and the host of the event at the improv was a local radio host who was besides being a right-wing nut was giving just a really kind of unnecessarily foul set of commentaries and and I, I Marshall Blackburn looks like she was going to faint and I thought for a moment I tried to maintain my principle what if she fell should I catch her or just let her hit her head? I said to myself, <laughs> if, if this is so shocking to her, 
I will pick her up <laughs> if she falls. And, and I'd nice expect guy. nothing less. Nothing I, less. I, I ultimately decided to do, as they say, the right thing. There you go. And, and <laughs> that's what that's how we know you, Barry Lynn. You do. Well, Let me ask try. you one last question before sure. I let you go. How off was I on on my answer to the question of Passover? <laughs> no, no, you were pretty much right, right on target with it. And uh, I don't know. He he said he he, he said knew, he knew, but, but I, that's okay. People. Right. But if if Ron DeSantis or Justice Clarence Thomas ever says they know something, just say, no, you don't. That's right. Because you'd be no. right. No That's matter right. what the topic, no, you're right. They know nothing, nothing. <laughs> and yes, oh, God, the Clarence Thomas thing. I, I'm just yeah, beyond myself with this. Yeah. Oh, I thought I didn't have to report that. Right. You take half a million dollar trips on private jets and private yachts. And yeah. oh, you didn't. He was a close personal friend. Yeah. You know when they met him? <laughs> After Thomas was on the Supreme Court. Of course. That's your long term close yeah, personal long, friend. And this uh. guy, of course, the guy that gave him these trips is, is in fact associated with a number of of uh, organizations and industries that do have business before the court. Once again, Clarence Thomas, big liar. Oh, yeah. Have we not noticed before? That's right. Yeah. That's right. Um, and I wish the Democrats would grow a spine to do something about it. Because if you know, you know, if the tables were turned, they'd have them out in a heartbeat. We of need, course we they need would. to toughen up here. Uh, yes, we do. Yes, we do. I uh, one of the things in the end of the third book here is uh, a thing I did uh, uh, little speech I gave uh, to open a Dar Williams concert. I love Dar. I Williams. love Dar Williams uh, too. She oh. calls me. She calls me up and says, "I'm doing this tour, um, and I don't want to have an opening musical act, uh-huh. but she said I want to find uh-huh. somebody that wrote a book I liked and have them." Talk for 20, 30 minutes. Wow. You do that. I said, yes. And then, of course, I wrote that book, God and Government, based on the assumption that Hillary Clinton would become the first and woman president. And when that failed, I had to do something else. And I had to kind of re rethink the book. And I called her manager. I said, you know, Tara wants me to read something from this book. But I'm going to add a chapter. And I'm going to talk about why you cannot give up. Huh. In spite of Donald Trump becoming the next president of the United States, and that that kind of manufactured extra chapter turns out to be in this book as well. Oh, so, very cool! You know, yeah. Dar was here a few months back because she had a new book out called "How to Write a Song That Matters," and, yeah. and so we talked about that. But I go way back with Dar when really? her album was "The Honesty Room" came out with the song yes. "When I Was a Boy." I was sure. doing radio in Los Angeles, AAA radio, yeah. where we could play that kind of music. And we we, we, we were responsible for putting her on the air in Los Angeles. Sure. And I was doing mornings on this very cool station in L.A. And we used to do these remote broadcasts, uh, like monthly, from different Starbucks sure. locations around L.A. And L.A.'s huge. Yeah. And we'd always have an artist come and join us. Well, Dar was touring with Joan mm. Baez. Wow. And Dar agreed to come and then... Joan Baez agreed to come. And wow. I will send you a tape. I've played it on this show love- before. Oh, my God. Yeah. 
it Dar did a few songs and then Joan sure. got up with Dar and did a couple of songs wow. and then they led the whole crowd and this place was jam-packed <laughs> we had overflow on the street of amazing grace and wow. Barry it will blow yeah. your socks off I will Whoa. send you a link to that. I definitely would like that link. You got it. I will send yeah. it as soon as we're done. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll have to talk music one of these days. Absolutely. This is what you know. Uh, yesterday, I was getting so crazy with all these things that when Howie Klein is my guest every Thursday. Sure. And we know each other from those days because he was yeah. president of Reprise Records. That's how really? I know how. Yes. No kidding. That's that's how I know Howie. And so Great. now we're both in this world. But when things sure. get too heated, we talk music. And yesterday we wound up yes. talking a lot about Seymour Stein, who just died because <laughs> Howie worked for him at Sire Records. So. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, we do. We we don't have time now, but yeah, and I said Bruce Springsteen was like yes. number three. Yeah. Sometime ask me about number one and two. No, tell me now. <laughs> tell you now. Yeah. Okay. We're in overtime. Okay. The first is a marvelous, I think he's the best male singer songwriter in America. His name is Tom Pacheco. Tom Pacheco, Google him, look at some of the things he, he, was uh, working for uh, Gene McCarthy's campaign. He was working for then for Bobby Kennedy's. He was outside the hotel the night Bobby was shot. He's he has albums, most of them on on independent labels. That if you're looking for a love song, he's there. Mm -hmm. If you're looking for a political song, he's written them. And um, he's he's we just saw him. He's in he's in a, a hospital from uh, for some hmm. damage from a, from a fall. He's a little older than I am. We just saw him the other day. Okay, but, but Tom just check him out. And the other is Bianca De Leon. Bianca De Leon has a bunch again. I thought she was dead. Uh -huh. I didn't think I used to buy her records like in Europe or in used record stores. And I thought, so I went to this Folk Alliance thing, which is a big acoustic music thing usually held in Kansas. And uh, I saw in a little pamphlet that it, people perform at, in, in rooms outside of the normal, you know, uh, big programs. I see this name, Bianca De Leon. I said, oh, man, I love that woman's songs. They're so hard-hitting. But she like, writes about a lot of her boyfriends who are major drug dealers. I figured <laughs> she must have had it. So I go into this room. There's one other person there. She does these great songs. I go up to her afterwards. I said, jeez, oh, I'm really glad to see you because I thought you were dead. <laughs> And I had a chance to introduce her at a show in Washington a few months ago. Oh, wow. And okay. the woman that was singing with her said, it's really good that Bianca's not dead. <laughs> but those are, well, because, I will check her out because... Check, check her out. There, there's a little secret that only the listeners of this show know about because really? I haven't mentioned it publicly yeah. yet, just here. But I'm working yeah. on a project with oh. other radio people that I've worked with yeah. throughout the years. It's going to be women who rock. And so oh, I'm looking for some female artists that I don't know, and I'll have to look up yeah. Bianca De Leon. Yeah, de definitely do that if, uh, because um, she's a heck of a storyteller 
and a heck of a uh, a writer of great music. I will check her out. So those two eclipsed Bruce Springsteen in yeah, your book. Yeah, I think book, so. Huh? You know, Steve Earle once Steve said great. that he would go into he would go up to Bob Dylan's house, stand on his table, and say, "Towns Van Zant's <laughs> the greatest songwriter." And um, I I don't think, frankly, that I like Steve Earle, and I like his anti-death penalty work, and all I like uh-huh. his music, uh-huh. but I. I think neither Bob Dylan nor Steve Earle nor Towns Van Zandt, now deceased, um, they might not have heard Tom Pacheco because that is a guy who writes. He He had me come to his music room once, and for two hours he went to all these notebooks that contained songs he had written that he had never recorded. And there's a tribute album being made uh, in Norway by two of his friends. And uh, he needs a tribute album. They're having a big show tonight, uh, raise some money for his uh, getting getting better. And, his uh, medical bills. Ugh, yeah. hate that we have to do that. Uh, I will check yeah. them both okay. out because as a music lover, I'd never no. heard of either of these. So no, I will. Okay. But, but we Many do talk music haven't. here. You know who else is a big Bruce Springsteen fan? It's Joan Walsh. And and so she's yeah. actually going to come on here next week and we're going to talk Bruce because good, we are good. we realize that right. we, we are we both go back many, <laughs> uh, many, 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 many years. Absolutely. Yeah. So well, it's always fun chatting with you. It, it definitely is. Thank you so much. Um, the absolutely. Book, the books are available. They are paid to piss people off by Barry W. Lynn. Book one is peace. Book two is porn. Book three is prayer. You can get them all three at bit.ly slash Barry Lynn books, books, book, book, Barry Lynn book. And uh, I'll put it, I'll put it on the blog where I post the show at NicoleSandler.com slash four dash seven dash 23. That's today's date. And it'll be there. And Barry, thank you so much. And happy. Do we say happy Easter? Yeah, you, you can you can say that. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah, cause, yeah. It, 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 Donald Trump once during his uh, tenure, sadly as our president, went out to give a speech and said, "Happy Good Friday." Yes, that's really not <laughs> quite the point. No, like, he yeah. brought people. People can say Merry Christmas again. Yeah. Oh, like, oh, thank gone. you. It was right. totally gone. Oh, of course it was. Never heard uh, that term before. Never, ever. Never. Yeah. Never heard yeah, it. Yeah. Nope. Nope. All right. Okay. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, Barry. You. Have a great Thank weekend. You. Enjoy your holiday. And we'll talk again oh, soon. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, Barry Lynn, the great Barry Lynn. Find him at barrywlynn.com. Go there. That Lewis Black rant that he talked about is there on the webpage. So you can not only get the new books, um, you can also see Barry doing stand-up kind of with, with uh, you know, uh, with, with Lewis Black. So it doesn't get a whole lot better than that. That's an experience to write about. All right. With that, we've reached the end of a week. Ugh, what a week. Oh, my God. I'm glad it's over. Uh, I'll be back Monday, as usual. Um, Monday, I'm supposed to talk with, what's her name? Joan Bis- Biscoop. I, I don't know how to pronounce her name. She is like the the Supreme Court person at CNN and has a new book out um, called Nine Black Robes. And it's about the Supreme Court. Timing is everything because I'm going to talk to her. Screw the book. We're going to talk about Clarence Thomas. So be here Monday. All right. Have a great weekend, everybody. I will leave you with the news. 
and uh, I'll see you Monday. And I'll leave you this. We have a new uh, person in the chat room who's apparently from India. Native of Planet India is her handle. She lives, uh, I think she said, in northern India. And after listening for a while, she said, um, Nicole, question for you. So what, do you, what is this show about? <laughs> Uh, that's a good question. What actually, what is actually the stream is about? Can anyone tell? I can't, but you know, it's whatever you want it to be. All right. With that, have a great weekend. Uh, do something fun. Get out of politics. Turn off the news. Enjoy music. Read a good book. See a movie. Make art. Turn off the politics. It'll do your heart good. All right. I'll see you Monday. Thanks, everybody. Bye. It's time for Nicole Sandler's What's News from NicoleSandler.com and the Progressive Voices Network. You ban books. You ban drag. Kids are still in body bags. That's the sound of protesters chanting at the Tennessee State Capitol on Thursday as two of their elected state representatives were expelled from the legislature almost one week after supporting gun reform protests that made their way inside the Capitol. Representatives Justin Jones and Justin Pearson were voted out, a move that's only occurred twice in the state since the Civil War. During the so-called debate, Representative Jones explained some of the past infractions by members that did not result in expulsion. Let's talk about expulsion. For years, one of your colleagues who was an admitted child molester sat in this chamber, no expulsion. One member sits in this chamber who was found guilty of domestic violence, no expulsion. We had a former speaker sit in this chamber who is now under federal investigation. No expulsion. We have a member still under federal investigation. No expulsion. We had a member pee in another member's chair in this chamber. No expulsion. Justin Pearson was also expelled. You say to protest is wrong because you spoke out of turn because you spoke up for people who are marginalized. You spoke up for children who won't ever be able to speak again. You spoke up for parents who don't want to live in fear. You spoke up for for, for Larry Thorne who was murdered by gun violence. You spoke up for people that we don't want to care about in a country built on people who speak out of turn, who spoke out of turn, who fought out of turn to build a nation. But Representative Gloria Johnson narrowly escaped by just one vote. When she was asked later why she was spared while her two colleagues were removed, she explained. It might have to do with the color of our skin. And what was the expulsion about? Well, the resolutions to expel these members accused Jones, Pearson and Johnson of breaking House rules by chanting into a megaphone during a protest in the chamber calling for gun control, which came after a school shooting in Nashville that left three nine-year-olds and three adults dead. One Republican described the chanting as mutiny. Really? Another described it as worse than the January 6th insurrection at the Capitol. President Biden took to Twitter, and of the expulsions, he said, it's shocking, undemocratic, 
and without precedent. There will be special elections held to fill those now vacant seats. Jones and Pearson can run in those special elections to retake their rightful place within the Tennessee legislature. Just astounding. The Biden administration on Thursday released a report on the chaos that erupted during the 2021 withdrawal from Afghanistan, placing the blame on a lack of preparation by the former guy in his administration. The 12-page summary of the report said President Biden was, quote, severely constrained by Trump's choices, including the 2020 peace deal he entered with the Taliban. The report said the subsequent rapid takeover by the Taliban created problems with evacuating Americans and Afghan civilians. But still, National Security Council spokesman John Kirby said that Biden's decision to withdraw U.S. forces was the right one. He added the United States had long ago accomplished its mission to remove from the battlefield the terrorists who attacked us on 9-11. Trump accused the White House of, quote, disinformation. Of course he did. So have you done your income taxes yet? Well, this year, the deadline falls on April 18th. And in case you are worried, the IRS on Thursday said that average taxpayers should not be worried about more audits after some Republicans tried to gaslight the nation about how the IRS will utilize a new $80 billion investment. The funding came from the Inflation Reduction Act, which passed last year along party lines and is meant to support the agency in cracking down on tax cheats and providing better service to taxpayers. As a result of these changes, the IRS is expected to collect more than $100 billion in new revenue over a 10-year period, and they reiterated that the new funding will be used to audit complex businesses and taxpayers who make over $400,000 a year. Why is this needed? Well, only four-tenths of a percentage point of taxpayers earning at least half a million dollars were audited in 2019. That was down from 4.5% in 2011. The poorest filers were audited at more than twice that rate. That will all change now. Thank you for voting for the Democrats. Well, this is a uh, very religious weekend. Friday, Good Friday. Sunday is Easter and Passover began on Wednesday. Of course, this is the time when the most religious lands in the world are fighting. What happened? Well, Israeli police raided the Al-Asqa Mosque, a contested holy site in Jerusalem. At least 40 Palestinians were injured in two raids. And the Muslim holy month of Ramadan overlapped with Jewish Passover this year, which officials warned could cause tension to escalate. Meanwhile, on Thursday, rockets were fired at Israel from Lebanon. Israel retaliated with airstrikes there and in the Gaza Strip. Happy Passover. Happy Easter, everyone. Can we stop with the bombs? Just a thought. And finally, environmental lawyer and anti-vax activist Robert F. Kennedy Jr. has reportedly filed paperwork with the Federal Election Commission to enter the 2024 presidential race as a Democrat. Kennedy will reportedly make an official announcement regarding his candidacy on April 19th. He has said that if he ran, his focus would be to, quote, end the corrupt merger between state and corporate power, which he claims has ruined the economy and the middle class. Kennedy, of course, is the son of the assassinated 1968 presidential candidate Robert F. Kennedy, who served as a senator and attorney general in his brother JFK's administration. 
Steve Bannon, Trump advisor, has been encouraging Kennedy to run for months, reportedly believing he could be a useful chaos agent in the 2024 race. If he's taking advice from Steve Bannon, why is he running as a Democrat? Something to think about. And that's just a bit of what's news for now. I'm Nicole Sandler. If you appreciate these reports on the Nicole Sandler Show, I hope you'll consider making a contribution. My work is listener supported and I can't do it without your help. Find out more at NicoleSandler.com and please click on that donate button.